today on Laura Lynn and Friends. So she wanted nothing to do with the black community. So she's trying to trick and fool black voters politically to get their support by claiming to be one of them. It goes to the extent she would put on a phony urban accent to trick them into thinking that, hey, I'm one of you. So Michelle has a shameful history of exploiting the black community. And I think black voters are no fools. If they understood what Michelle did to them, I don't think they would support her politically. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of The Last Days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler-Thompson, and it's a pleasure to be with you. We are seeing epic times in our world. As you know, I love to open my dad's Bible and to garner from his wisdom. He passed away two years ago, and he's very dear to my heart even still. And he loved this Bible. He, he has a very old Bible. It's leather-bound. It's just been through an awful lot. And uh, he loved to underline in different colors and, you know, date and star different things that were important to him. So I opened it up today to Proverbs 29, verse 2, and it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. That's an old, old English way of saying, if someone evils in power, it's very bad for all of us. And we don't want to see it. <laughs> so uh, you are absolutely going to love our guest today. We're going to dive right in because this is going to be so very, very interesting. We're all watching as the United States of America is bearing down on another election in 2024. We're watching the uh, assault against, uh, against former President Donald Trump who is also going to be running for the presidency. And we're seeing the rise of those that might challenge uh, perhaps Joe Biden in his faltering years uh, for the presidency. Well, have you thought of this person? Have you thought of Michelle Obama? Take a look at this. Michelle Obama is the most popular woman in America. You know I hate politics. You can forget about the disclaimer. I'm convinced that Michelle Obama is running for president in 2024. Systemic racism, pepper spray, and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters. She's following the exact same formula that Barack did to become president. Michelle was the keynote speaker at the 2020 Democrat convention, just like Barack was in 2004. Barack once ran a voter registration organization. Now, so does Michelle. That's how we change America. Also, Barack Obama based his candidacy on his personal story. Michelle has done the exact same thing. But like Barack, Michelle tells a life story that is more fiction than fact. Maybe somebody's gonna discover that I shouldn't be here. Now, come along on an investigation into the real Michelle Obama and her plan for power. I found out Michelle's father worked for the Democrat party machine. My father, he was a precinct captain in Chicago. People would come for money. It turns out Michelle was never a part of the black community. In that household, there was fear. You talk like a white girl. You could get your butt kicked if you talk like a white girl. What was going on in the 70s was what we called white flight. The only person doing white flight in the 1970s was Michelle Robinson. You're told by a school counselor you're not Princeton material. You're black, maybe you're stretching. Michelle was no victim of racism. In fact, Michelle has been running from the black community her whole life. Hyde Park is the best neighborhood. And Michelle sold out the black community working for the mayor of Chicago. 
This is turning into a ghetto. You better run. They just take her home like this, yo. And she sold them out as a hospital executive, <gasps> kicking poor black patients out of the ER. Yeah, like that. I learned that to get power, Michelle pretends to be part of the black community she exploited all her life. Lo and behold, trying to pay your own rent. Imposter uh, syndrome. All out war between the pigs and us. And it turns out, Michelle's close friend and mentor was an anti-American radical. The politics of fear. Because of fear. Your fear. They want you to be afraid of change. We're working to change the future of this nation. We need you. Are, Are you in? Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And to transform America, Michelle plans to rule America come Election Day 2024. Well, I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. Uh, Joel Gilbert, you are the author of Michelle Obama 2024, Her Real Life Story and Plan for Power. Uh, you're the director of this documentary, Michelle Obama 2024, there it is. And um, you are a political commentator and foreign policy analyst based out of Los Angeles. And so this is absolutely fascinating. Um, I've heard some speculation, but you're kind of painting a picture that this is where we're going. Yeah, I think it's happening. Uh, first of all, nobody wants Joe Biden. Uh, Americans don't like him. They're uh, very disappointed in his record as president with inflation, the disaster on the border, uh, foreign wars, you name it. The entire country is uh, failing under Joe Biden and voters know it. Uh, poll after poll shows that uh, voters don't want him. They think he's too old too old for another term, and they want an alternative. Democrat down-ballot party officials like state senators, congressmen, governors, they're all terrified of Joe Biden dragging down the ticket. So it's clear they don't want him. There's actually very little sign that Biden is even running for another term. Uh, you might remember back in April when RFK Jr. announced uh, Biden released a week later a, a three-minute video saying he's going to run again. That's not really an announcement. Announcement is where you go to a big crowd of admirers and you make an announcement and you go around the country speaking to all your supporters. Biden has done none of that. He's got no campaign office, no campaign manager. He doesn't really appear to be running. And uh, I make the case that Michelle Obama, who is the most popular, most beloved Democrat in the country, has actually been planning to run for some years and preparing herself as you saw in the trailer, by following in the footsteps of Barack, doing the exact same things he did. Two autobiographies, keynote speaker for the nominee, and uh, having a voter registration organization, which Michelle has, supported by the George Soros Group. So uh, we've got a December 23rd deadline coming up in a couple months here for anyone who wants to run has to get in their signatures to get on all the primary ballots. So I think Michelle's going to make a move sometime in November and there's a huge Obama organization called Organizing for Action all over the country. And I think they can just flip the switch and get behind Michelle Obama. Wow. So, so time is kind of ticking then on getting a whole lot of signatures. She'd have to pretty much come out of the gate running unless she's been collecting sig signatures privately. And then we probably would have heard about it, right? But um, so this is sort of uh, counting down to uh, decision day and, and she'll have to do it. 
Uh, so what did you learn about Michelle Obama? You know, there's a lot of things. I'm dying to ask one certain question about Michelle Obama because a lot of people, you know, talk about her her gender or whatever, but then my husband's like, no, no, don't ask me. I really want to ask that. But how, how far back did you go? Did you dig right into her roots, into her family of origin? Did you find pictures that no one else could find? What was it like? Yeah, look, uh, I've been listening to Michelle Obama for years tell this story about her life history, where she claims to be from the south side of Chicago, for example. She said even in her documentary, uh, Becoming, the movie version of her best-selling book, on Netflix, she, the first thing she says is, I'm from the south side of Chicago, and there's nothing else you need to know about me. And it's to kind of create this romantic idea of from a, you know the other side of the tracks. So I figured, no, there must be a lot that we need to know about her. So I actually went to Chicago, and I spoke to Michelle's mother, uh, her high school and elementary school classmates and teachers, principals. Uh, I spoke to her, uh, her dance instructor, where she was in a dance uh, course from age seven till 15 and danced all over. I spoke to her French class uh, instructor. Her, she went to Paris. Michelle went to Paris in high school with her French club. I talked to her thesis advisor, three of her boyfriends. So a completely different picture of Michelle Obama emerges. And it turns out Michelle's not from the south side of Chicago. She's from South Shore, which is a middle class community on Lake Michigan. She's from a political family. Her father was a precinct captain working for the Democrat Party machine in Chicago. And her father had a patronage job. That means he had a job that was given to him by the Democrat Party machine in, in exchange for political favors. So her father would basically go around convincing the black community to vote for white liberals and keep them in office. So Michelle comes from a political family. She was good friends with Jesse Jackson's daughter, Santita, growing up. Uh, so she kind of grew up in Jesse Jackson's house when he was running for president. So she's really a, a political animal. She's a better politician than Barack. She's a better speaker. And her biggest vulnerability, though, is when you hear Michelle tell these stories of growing up facing discrimination. She says things like, success was not meant for me, a little black girl from the south side of Chicago. And she was suffered from discrimination, was held back in life and had to overcome these racial obstacles. Turns out the reason she tells those stories, they're completely not true, is she's trying to manipulate black and minority voters into getting their votes and, and getting power from them. She wants them to think, hey, I'm just an ordinary black person, I'm just like you, so you should vote for me. Well, the truth is that it's completely not true. Michelle had a terrible relationship with the black community in Chicago. Uh, growing up, she refused to study with other black kids, even though there was an all-black high school one block from her house. Her and her brother both went an hour and a half away to study with white kids. Her brother went to a Catholic school with all whites, even though the family was not Catholic. Michelle went to a magnet school. Uh, the black kids, you saw in the trailer, Michelle said they would beat her up. They accused her of acting white and talking white. And Michelle even writes in her book about getting in a fist fight with a girl who called her an Oreo meaning you're black on the outside, but you're really white on the inside. So Michelle lived in fear. She was afraid of black people growing up. She wanted nothing to do with them. She had no black friends. She even said her hero growing up was Mary Tyler Moore. She watched the Brady Bunch every day. So she had a terrible childhood when it came to the black community. And then as a professional in Chicago, I discovered that uh, Michelle exploited the black community for money. 
uh, white liberals, whenever they had a problem with the black community, they couldn't hire a white person to exploit them and abuse them. So they hired Michelle. Michelle did the dirty work for the white liberals. Uh, Michelle kicked 20,000 black people out of their homes at Cabrini Green. It was a project near downtown. She knocked down their homes and made 20,000 blacks homeless and gave away the land to Democrat developers like Tony Resco. And Michelle told the black community, it's going to be good for you to lose your homes. And having proven she could do the dirty work for white liberals, Michelle was hired by the University of Chicago Medical Center. They were losing money because blacks from the South Side were coming up and using their emergency room, and a lot of them didn't have good insurance. So Michelle was hired uh, to kick them out of the emergency room and deny them access to good health care. Michelle would put them in these vans and dump them back on the South Side at these crappy strip mall clinics. And Michelle said, it's going to be good for you. So Michelle did the dirty work for white liberals and made a ton of money to exploit the black community as an adult. As a kid, she wanted nothing to do with black people. She went to Princeton and Harvard. She got a job at a big law firm of all white people. She moved to Hyde Park. She married a biracial man. So she wanted nothing to do with the black community. So she's trying to trick and fool black voters politically to get their support by claiming to be one of them. It goes to the extent, and you can see it in my film, where when she spoke to black audiences when Barack was running for president, she would fake an urban accent, put on a phony urban accent to trick them into thinking that, hey, I'm one of you. So Michelle has a shameful history of exploiting the black community. And I think black voters are no fools. If they understood what Michelle did to them, I don't think they would support her politically. Wow. Okay, so when you went back to, to people like um, her, her dance instructor, um, what did, uh, going back that far, what did you hope to learn from him and, and what kind of insight would, would that be? So you can verify then, I think this is really important on a lot of, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, that the, the dance instructor knew of Michelle Obama, and knew what was she a good dancer for instance was that a question well the point is look look michelle uh, lies when she speaks of an underprivileged childhood being held back in life because of her race it's complete nonsense from age six seven years old she was taking tap and jazz lessons every week at the mayfair wow. dance academy she was performing at the international hilton hotel in chicago and chicago theater and performing all over chicago doing dance routines she was in a french club that went to paris in high school, I didn't go to Paris in high school. So she had a very privileged childhood in a political family on South Shore, but she falsely claims to have been held back in life and she's from the South Side. So it shows what a phony she is. And uh, hmm. she's a phony because she has a terrible relationship with the black community, but the Democrat party needs 90 to 95% of the black vote to get their people elected. Now they think Michelle checks those boxes because She's African-American, but uh, that's why Michelle has to make up these stories to trick them into supporting her to say, hey, I'm just one of you, when it was very much the opposite in her real life history. Wow. So, so if she is unleashed, this, is, this will maybe bring back uh, some of the African-American community that has actually left the Democratic Party because they're figuring out a few things too, and namely Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, destroying the country in the last three years? Well, look, Donald Trump delivered for the black community uh, what the Democrats had been promising for 60 years and never did. He brought school choice, he brought prison reform, 
He brought a robust economy, all the things that made uh, black people more successful, uh, Donald Trump delivered. And I think that's why the Democrat Party was so threatened by Donald Trump more than anything else. And that's why you saw when Biden got elected, his handlers appointed blacks to all these positions of, uh, that are very public, such as uh, UN ambassador, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Supreme Court Justice, uh, minority leader in the House, you name it, press secretary. And their message to black voters is rather insulting. It shows what they think of them is the, their message is, well, we look like you, so vote for us. We have your interest at heart because we have people that look like you. It's pretty insulting. But that's, that's what they think of the black community, that they're so shallow that they would just vote for somebody because they're black. And uh, I think they think that Michelle fills that role, but they don't probably understand how bad Michelle's relationship is with the black community in Chicago and what she did to them. Uh, if I was Donald Trump, I would start now by tweeting and saying things like, you know, Michelle Obama, are you going to apologize for what you did to the black community in Chicago? Michelle, how many millions did you make denying access to health care to the black community? And these are things that will open up a whole can of worms. No kidding. So uh, why would um, the Democrat Party or the powers that be, why would they run uh, Michelle Obama rather than Kamala Harris? I think some of this is very obvious, but what, what do you think about Kamala? Well, look, Kamala, uh, people mistakenly think that she has any connection to the black community and has any support from them. She does not. Kamala Harris, is, first of all, is not African-American. Her father is from Jamaica. Her mother is from India. And Kamala grew up in Canada. So she has no experiences whatsoever in common with the black community and is not African-American either. You'll remember she didn't even make it to the first primary. She was such a bad politician. Michelle Obama, on the other hand, is the most beloved politician. She's had 15 years of all positive publicity, hundreds of magazine covers, hundreds of talk shows. So she's very much a popular figure. She's written the autobiography. She's done book tours. And uh, she's been hyped by the media for 15 years. Uh, so clearly she would be the, the most preferred candidate of anybody to, to be the Democrat nominee. Wow. So what about um, your discoveries regarding um, Obama during sort of the, the search for information on, um, uh, on Michelle? Did, did, did you find out some stuff as well about Obama? Well, I made a film back in 2012, I'm pretty well known for, called Dreams from My Real Father. Uh, I had gone to Hawaii several times, which was twice as much as all the media to put together had done to check out Obama's official story where he said, you know, my father's from Africa, my mother's from Kansas, I'm going to bring the country back together and so on. So I went out there and I interviewed a lot of people and I found out and I made the case in my film, Dreams from My Real Father, that Barack Obama's uh, real biological father was not the Kenyan student, Barack Obama. It was, in fact, an American communist named Frank Marshall Davis, who was a original black Bolshevik out of Chicago who came to Hawaii and acted as a Russian agent during the Cold War, was a member of the Communist Party. Uh, this is the man that Obama admits in his book raised him. This is the man that Obama worshipped and wanted to be like him and spent a lot of time with him. It just so happens Obama looks just like Frank Marshall Davis and looks nothing like the Kenyan Obamas. So Michelle Obama ironically has the same problem that Barack did. When Barack ran for president, black people didn't think he was black. He's, they thought he was a white guy. He was biracial, raised by white grandparents in Hawaii and Indonesia. He had no, nothing in common with the black community. He didn't know any black people. 
And uh, it took a lot of work from Michelle to try to convince black voters that Obama was one of them. It wasn't easy. But ironically, Michelle has the same problem because she's never had anything to do with the black community. She doesn't, she grew up afraid of them. She exploited them for money. And, but now she wants power, so she's pretending that she's just one of them. Fascinating. Um, do you think we'll ever get to the bottom of the whole issue of perhaps where Obama might truly have been born? I know people from Kenya that say it's a well-guarded understanding and secret, and they protect it, that he was really and truly born in Kenya. No, I don't think he was born in Kenya. Uh, Obama's biggest secret, I believe, is that his real biological father was Frank Marshall Davis, a Soviet agent, and it's a man that raised him in Hawaii. If, uh, if he had told us the truth about that, no one would have voted for him. So I think they used the Kenyan student at the time to pretend to be uh, the father because uh, Frank Marshall Davis was married. Uh, the Kenyan student Obama, he had two kids and a wife in Kenya. It was clearly an effort by the Kenyan student to get his visa extended, and he just was kind of a cover story. Uh, so I think Obama was probably born in Hawaii, but the real big secret is that his real father, who radicalized him into this socialist communist worldview, was an American communist and Soviet agent named Frank Marshall Davis. I can dispense of one other story that people ask about a lot. I'll show you a photo. This is Michelle Obama when she was in high school. This is her high school yearbook photo when she was in dance class from Whitney Young High School. She's obviously female. So I just want to point that out because it's a big joke that uh, Republicans make, and they picked up on the Joan Rivers uh, joke when she right. was asked by TM TMZ, are we ever going to have a gay president? She said, oh, we have a gay president and Michelle's transgender. So that's her sense of humor. And I think the internet kind of picked up on that because she died a couple months and later. Yeah. And Michelle has had, you know, 15 years of positive publicity. So this was something negative to kind of, you know, maybe get back at her for all the America bashing. She's very much female. She is a total phony, as I point out, uh, but she is female. You know, so that's the question at the top of the show and, you know, <laughs> that, I, that I really wanted answered because, uh, you know, there have been all of these things put out. There's videos of her dancing on Ellen DeGeneres show. Yeah, it's not, it's not true. It's not true. It's not true. It's just, it's silliness. Michelle is a radical. She was a, a community organizer for three years in Chicago. People don't know that. She ran something called Public Allies, was a radical uh, organization that, took people down on their luck. If you got out of prison or you dropped out of high school, Michelle would get you a job in the state bureaucracy in, in Illinois, and one day a week you'd be radicalized with the socialist agenda. Her best buddy in Chicago was Bernadine Dorn, one of the heads of the Weather Underground terrorist group. Uh, that's where Michelle got all her anti-American rhetoric that you remember from 2008, where she would go on the campaign trail for Barack and say things like, you can't buy food in this country. You can't afford your mortgage. You can't afford health care. Don't get sick in this country. So she was very negative. It all comes directly from Bernadine Dorn. Uh, she even talked about word for word Bernadine Dorn's politics of fear, where Bernadine Dorn said, we're all afraid of each other and all our policies come from fear. Michelle directly quoted Bernadine Dorn, but didn't tell us that. So Michelle is a radical, just like Barack. And uh, but she puts on a, a face of I'm just an ordinary black person and I just love this country kind of stuff. Same as Barack did when he ran for president. He ran as a mainstream candidate. He said, I'm going to obey the Constitution. 
marriage is between a man and woman and God, you know, and as soon as he got elected, he threw the voters under the bus and pursued a radical agenda that no one voted for. Yes, yes, I remember that switch. Um, the other thing about um, Michelle is that there were points, and I, I think maybe it was after Obama was already in, but uh, although she might claim to love America, she had at one point made some comment, you know, I finally for the first time think something, you know, great about America it was something that sort of yeah. belied that she hadn't appreciated America. Well, that was when uh, Barack won a primary. She said, well, for the first time in my life, I'm proud of my country. Now, she That's said a lot worse things than that. That was not mm -hmm. the worst thing she said. But the media picked up on that. And that's when people started paying attention, like, whoa, what the hell is this woman talking about? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when the Obama campaign told Michelle, they said, look, we could lose the race because of you. People are going to hate you. And so the next day, Michelle got a speechwriter and she said, oh, uh, I hate politics. I just want to be the mom in chief. And she's kept that up for years that I'm just someone that, you know, is not interested in politics. In fact, she is a very political person. Uh, Charles Ogletree was a Harvard professor who had both Michelle and Barack in his class at Harvard in different years. And he said between the two of them, he thought it would have been Michelle to run for president, not Barack. Wow. So if Trump um, makes it through all of his trouble, and, and uh, uh, I, for one, am hoping that he does, is Michelle Obama a significant threat? What, what will this look like if she comes up against the Republican candidate? Well, Michelle is a, probably the most popular person in the country. She's above all criticism. She can appeal to nostalgia and say, hey, remember how you love the Obama years? And, and I don't like politics. I just want to help the country. So she can try to come across very mainstream. Uh, and she's just so wildly popular. I mean, I went to the interview she did with Oprah here in Los Angeles at YouTube Theater. And I went there two hours early thinking I would take my time and check some things out and talk to a few people. I got there two hours early and there were lines for miles with people that had tickets. They just came that early. It was like a campaign rally. So she's extremely popular. The media would love to have her because they can use race and gender against anybody that disagrees with her. If you disagree with Michelle, they'll say, oh, it's because you're racist or you're sexist. You don't have a legitimate gripe, you know? So she'd be a formidable candidate. Uh, but I think uh, exposing her abuse of and exploitation of the black community in Chicago would be the key to making inroads for Donald Trump into uh, Michelle's base of support. So basically, uh, you've really found that um, she doesn't have character, uh, she's dishonest, there's a deception about her, and this, this really is not good, good qualities for somebody to lead the country. Well, you want someone who's honest, who we know who they are. You know, certainly we knew who Donald Trump was. He was a very public figure. He didn't have to lie and make up stories about his background. He just said, this is, you know, this is my father and this is my real estate business. And this is my TV show. And this is what I'd like to do for the country. Uh, Michelle has fabricated her background to mostly trick and manipulate minority voters into supporting her because she doesn't tell the truth in her autobiographies about exploiting the black community, denying them access to health care, kicking them out of their homes. Doesn't talk about how she refused to study with black kids growing up, that she went to an exclusive school. Uh, so did her brother. She doesn't talk about that. She lies about it because she wants their support. So I think my film and book present an honest picture of who Michelle is in her real life 
and you see through her uh, fake stories she tells. One of her favorite fake stories she's been telling for years is uh, claiming that her high school counselor racially profiled her regarding applying to Princeton University and said, you're black, maybe you're stretching, wanting to go to Princeton. Well, I found out her high school counselor was a church-going black woman named Nan King, uh, who died in 2005. So Michelle gets away with smearing her, but Michelle wants black voters to think she suffered discrimination. It, it's a lie. The worst thing the, the black counselor could have told her was, Michelle, you have low test scores. You might want to apply to some backups in case you don't get into Princeton. That's probably the worst thing she could have told her, but she would not have racially profiled her. Wow. So did you come out like, uh, did you kind of know where you were going when you began all of this research or did you become more and more surprised as you went? No, every day was a new surprise. I mean, I talked to <laughs> talked to one of her boyfriends in high school at her prom date or boyfriend. And, you know, he was like, I said, you know, Michelle talks about how she was held back in life and suffered racial discrimination and all. He said, no, she was a very happy kid. She took full advantage of everything in high school. She was the treasurer of the high school. She joined every club. She was in the singers group. She went performing. She went to Paris. You know, they all told the story. And it was like, wow, everything Michelle told us about her childhood was a lie and her upbringing because she wants to trick voters and manipulate minorities. The same thing as her father did. Her father was a precinct captain, and his job was to trick the black voters in their community to vote for the white liberals in Chicago, uh, even though they didn't do anything for them. So Michelle's been up to the same thing for years, and it's been in her family for years. Wow. Okay, well, I, I really want to watch this movie, and I want to get your book. Um, can we just uh, see the movie now uh, on your website or? Yeah, if you go to michelleobama24.com, that'll link you up to salemnow.com. You can watch the movie, live stream it. Also, Amazon Prime Video, you can live stream the movie. Uh, you can get the DVD or the book on Amazon. Um, and if you go to Vimeo, you can also live stream it on Vimeo. So there's a lot of options to, to watch the movie and get the book. Was there a, a particular reason that you felt to really pursue uh, exposing the truth about Michelle? Like, what was your personal journey to going, I, I got to make this a big project? Well, I followed the Obamas for years, and I just noticed that Michelle was copying what Barack did. Right after uh, Trump became president, Michelle started a voter registration organization. I said, well, that's kind of odd. Why would she do that? That's what Barack had, Project Vote in Chicago. Michelle started When We All Vote and got $26 million from the Soros group. Then she wrote two autobiographies. I said, gee, that's exactly what Barack did. Who writes an autobiography at a young age, uh, you know, uh, unless you're running for president? And then she was the keynote speaker, just like Barack. So when I saw her doing these very, very political moves, it became obvious to me that she had a political plan. And I said, if I don't look into this, nobody will. Wow. So so what? by what you're saying, Joel, um, she'll have to make um, an a big announcement within the next month or so. Is that correct? I think so. And I think she'll say exactly what she said when she introduced Joe Biden in 2020. She said, you know, I hate politics, but I love this nation and I love your children. So I think it'll be something like that. She'll say, everyone has asked me and we got to be sure to beat Donald Trump. So I've decided to become a candidate and she'll have no problem getting all the signatures she needs in about a week to get on all the state ballots. And don't forget wow. the Democrat Party has set it up for her. They moved the first primary out of Iowa 
to South Carolina. So instead of campaigning in 100 counties in, South, in, in Iowa, she goes to South Carolina where half of the voters in the primary will be African-American. It's also a state Michelle claimed as her adopted home state because her grandparents are from South Carolina. And they put the Democrat National Convention is gonna be in Chicago, Michelle's hometown of all places. So I think it's set up for her. Wow. Well, you know, I don't know if it's uh, more fascinating that you've discovered all of this and, and, and you know, we're going to hear a big announcement about her running or that we find out she's truly not transgender because that one's a big one. I mean, everyone she's and their dog that I know. It's very, it's very silly. It's very silly. <laughs> she's not. But she is a total phony uh, because right? of her fake stories she tells about her background. And, and this is what I expose. I, I love what you've exposed, and it's put something to rest that we've all wondered about for a long time. Uh, I look forward to seeing this, and also if we can do a follow-up with you, you know, um, after it gets going, and uh, she I, yeah. I see, I see that it might be the smartest move that the Democrats could make. Joe's got to be told. I mean, he can't put two sentences together. Um, do you think if she gets in there, one final question, is she going to be damaging to our country? I mean, we have seen a lot of nonsense happen. Do you have any idea yeah. how she's going to view the open borders, how she's going to what she's going to do about the economy? Well, first of all, uh, Joe Biden does not even have to drop out. He can run all he wants. Kamala can run and Michelle will just trounce them in the primaries until they drop out. So it's not like Biden has to drop out of the race. Um, but Michelle is very much uh, a person who's never had an original idea. She just kind of copies and follows along with everything that the Democrats are doing, what Barack is doing, whatever the policy is. If you look at her Twitter account, she just repeats everything. So you would expect more of the same. She'll try to put a nice face on it and say, well, we're helping these people who are seeking asylum and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try to get inflation down. But she's so popular personally, she kind of transcends all of Biden's policy failures. So Biden is kind of the fall guy who takes the blame for all the failures. And Michelle can come in and say, you know, I'm gonna you know, have a great country like we did when Barack was president without having to give any details. Wow. Well, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. And I appreciate the work that you've done. Uh, Joel Gilbert, we want everybody to go check out, get your book, uh, Michelle Obama 2024, Her Real Life Story and Plan for Power. It is uh, our guest's firm commitment and belief today that we are going to see Michelle Obama running for president, and she's going to have to put that word out fairly soon. So I, I okay. personally think you're probably right. I go along okay. with you. My vote's on what you're saying. So uh, it's going to be. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's fascinating what's coming up. So I've enjoyed this. I really have enjoyed this, and I just I love that you did this. This was worthy of investigation, and I appreciate it. And I hope that the African American uh, community will listen and that people will actually consider who she really is and what our country really needs. So thank okay, you, Okay, well, Joel. thanks for having me today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Absolutely fascinating, everyone. Now, I've got a few friends. You need to, would everybody, would you like, subscribe, and share, please, to whatever platform you're on? Because I know a few people I have to send this to right away. Oh, because it's going to be amazing. Um, 
I'm really fascinated by people who pretend to be someone else. I've never been good at it and I always get in trouble. I'm, I'm never, like with Michelle, you feel like she's just had silver wings, you know, and everything she does seems to, you know, turn out okay and she's on Oprah and she's got all of this hoop-de-haw. But, um, you know, she's, she's fake from what uh, Joel Gilbert has found out. She's not a real person. And I've never been able to be that way. I've had to always, it's its almost a curse. I, you know, if I believe something, I have to say it. I can't just be silent. And I, you know, choose to kind of like speak up when I could just, and sometimes I do just be quiet because it's not worth it and it doesn't matter. But when it matters, I always want to be that person who is true to myself. So what you see here is is who I really am. And that's the kind of people I like. That's the kind of people I want to associate with. That's the kind of people I want to follow and certainly the kind of people that I would want to vote for. I want real people. I even like that about Donald Trump. It's funny because um, last weekend's um, last weekend's conference where we had Dr. Lance Wall now there, of course he had he's had personal interactions with Trump, you know, and but he just really, he had a prophetic word about Trump that Trump would be the president. And uh, he was speaking and he was talking about some things that have gotten Donald Trump in, in trouble in some ways. You know, like he's asked, you know, if he ever, you know, have you ever sinned or anything like that? And Donald Trump's like, you know, no, I can't really think of anything I've done. <laughs> and isn't it funny that God chose to use a man like Donald Trump with all of his failings and personal foibles and you know, also, uh, you know, some of the things that came out uh, with respect to his relationships and things that he'd said. Yet he survived it all. And this is what Lance Walnow was saying about Cyrus in the Bible. And this is how God spoke to Lance Walnow about Trump. Is God said to him, the 45th president is going to be 45, like it's, it's, he's the 45th, that kept coming to him. And he's going to be like a Cyrus and be a wrecking ball. And so, um, you know, Lance did not understand totally all of that. So, of course, in order to figure out the word of the Lord, he did what every good prophet does. He went to Google and he Googled, you know, 45 and Cyrus. Well, it turns out that Isaiah 45 is all about Cyrus. And Cyrus was a leader that came in that did not know God, but nonetheless ruled justly nonetheless did a good job. Now, I have since, I've come to understand that uh, Donald Trump has made a commitment in his heart uh, to God and that um, he, you know, he tries to honor God. I don't know about his personal, you know, walk or anything like that, but it's certainly fascinating. And I'll tell you, I definitely want someone who's at least themselves, at least doesn't go around pretending to be someone else. And Donald Trump doesn't do that. He kind of, he almost stands by himself to a fault, you know, where you go, well, don't you want to kind of <laughs> cover up that kind of behavior or something? And, you know, and he just kind of, he is himself. So I actually appreciate about that about him an awful lot. And if we could go back, Look at the last three years and the absolute, we're now on the verge of World War III through Biden. The economy is in the tank and he's destroying the country and with the open borders and all of that. So um, I certainly see that coming up, we've got a big decision that uh, the United States of America is going to have to make. And as a dual citizen of the United States, JT and I will be making a decision on who we're going to vote for. And it definitely will not be Michelle Obama, that's for sure, or Kamala, or Biden. 
Um, or that crazy dude from California, Gavin Newsom, who like drops, falls on kids and stuff when he's playing basketball. Okay, we have something super fun before we close the show. We want to invite on Mark Savoya waiting in the background. And Mark always brings us some uh, really cool information about other parts of the world in case you're saying, hey, I've had enough of Canada and I don't want to be cold anymore. Um, or, you know, under the regime of our establishment. So Mark helps people to think about alternate lives and he lives in Costa Rica. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for waiting in the wings there. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Laura. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> uh, how's the marches for Palestine down there? Is that just really going wild in the streets? No, it's uh, unless you're looking for it, there's no real <laughs> Costa Rica is Costa Rica. They concentrate <laughs> solely on themselves. They have nothing to do with anything else going on in the world. And when you talk about voting, you're voting Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very There's interesting. Nothing. So tell me about yeah. the political climate in Costa Rica. So I was recently there not too long ago, and I was amazed at the amount of people that really felt that they were called there, that God had even told them as a family to move to Costa Rica. Um, tell me about the, the political climate, the president and whatnot. What's he like? How does he see all this nonsense we've been through? Well, we all know that the WEF controls pretty much every politician around the world. The difference with the president of Costa Rica, what he's doing is he's saying no, and he's causing a lot of chaos. On November 9th, uh, they're banning anything to do with COVID vaccines in the country, right? So they have, you know, the Venezuelans who are trying to make it through to get to the US. They're trying to cause a chaos so it doesn't happen. The judges that are part of the uh, court case and the representatives, they're actually in custody in safe houses right now. So nobody can get to them because this is going through. You know, he banned the Global Climate uh, Act, so that's not taking place in Costa Rica. 15 minute cities will never take place in Costa Rica. He's banned that. And he's banned anything to do with what the WF is telling everybody else around the world to do. He's saying absolutely not. So he's really standing for his people. And that's what's changing and shifting for so many Americans and Canadians. And a lot of people that are from like Israel, um, Africa, for some reason, a lot, a lot of people from Cape Town are making the move to Costa Rica. Wow. What is the attraction then? Do you think it's because it's it seems to be a place that's honoring freedom and the beauty of it, of course? Uh, it, it's kind of like a whole package. It's it's really a pearl. It's a beautiful place. And it's largely it Christian or Catholic, right? It is fully Christian and Catholic. There's nothing about LBGTQ2, whatever it is. There's no pride flags. There's there's none of that here. Um, they're, they're making awareness when it comes to children and abuse and trafficking of kids so there's a big awareness going around even in Uvita all over there's big signs everywhere you know telling them to report if you see anything like malpractice when it comes to children's uh, with uh, any type of young ladies so it's great to see that they're really pushing forward but they're making it easier for people to move to Costa Rica for Americans and Canadians they're really making the push because they see how things are starting to shift and the people that are coming here just want to enjoy life. They don't want to deal with the chaos 
They don't want to deal with all the stress and the upset and the worrisome that, you know, like with that Bill 278 that uh, Pierre Pellier was trying to put through and it got shut down in the third uh, waking at the uh, parliament, they shut it down. So now, you know, Trudeau is able to enact uh, the vaccine mandates any given time he wants. So yeah, none I'm, of that I'm exists so sad. Here. You're right. I'm so sad. And I, I just love this country that you're in where they're literally going to ban any vaccine mandate. I mean, that's the way the world should yeah. be, especially when we're seeing the truth of all the outfall, you know, um, this SV40 uh, component to to the vaccine that's come out and it's uh, potentially a very cancer causing component. It's not disclosed by Pfizer. Why would any no. country in the entire world, uh, you know, say that we should ever mandate vaccines again um, when it's just proven to be such a debacle? Now in Costa Rica, uh, so you've been living there a while and pe people do ask, well, isn't it like a third world country or like, <laughs> like you know, am I going to be able time. to get, yeah, yeah. So, so what do you say to All that? Well, so we have uh, San Jose and there's Escazú. Escazú is like the Hollywood Boulevard of Costa Rica. Uh, we have Price Mart, which is Costco. We have Multi Plaza, which is one of the biggest malls in the world. Stadium, state of the art, like, you know, the red hot chili peppers were just in concert here last night. And my wife's like, Dad, if you would have told me they were in concert, we would have went to San Jose, we would have watched them, we would have took a little flight for a hundred bucks and went there to watch the concert, not knowing. Um, anything and everything that we have at home, we have here. You know, it's like uh, one of our uh, neighbors bought uh, a Chevy Trailblazer. And in Canada, US, they're only gas, and while everything's going electric, which is basically a microwave, but here they're diesel. Right for this little Duramax engine in this Chevy, it's diesel. Cars are in abundance. You know, um, they're opening up. It's almost like a, a Costco in San Isidro because of the mass amount of people that are moving here. Uh, we have the new airport that's an hour south of us. The golf course people are getting excited about. The marina. I just met a gentleman from Alberta, uh, Alberta Bruce. I was on the Halloween night party, and I uh, was in Escalaris, up in the mountains, in a very exclusive neighborhood. And he's one of the owners of the biggest oil fields in Canada. He has like 85,000 employees in Alberta. And I'm like, what are you doing here in Costa Rica? He's like, Mark, I'm done with the chaos. He goes, I'm done with being told mandates are in place. Mandates are not in place. You have to do this. You have to do that. He goes, I'm done with it. He goes, I don't want to deal with it. He goes, I can manage the field, the, the oil mines from Costa Rica. And he goes, and I can live my life and just enjoy it here. So there's a lot of young families, but there's a lot of old people. And we met a lot of people from like Windsor, um, Niagara that have been here 15, 20, 25 years. Right. So it's nice to see and it's, you, you kind of gain their knowledge. And when you talk to them, I always like to call them your modern day hippies because they're like, this is not when I tell them, I go, no, COVID this and COVID that. They're like, Mark, this has been going on for like 40 plus years. This is not new. He goes, the only difference is with you guys now, he goes, you young generation, I'm like, I'm in my mid forties. He goes, you young generation, he goes, you're just opening your eyes and you're just starting to see. And he goes, you're just starting to realize what, what true beauty is. She goes, that's what's drawing you to Costa Rica. As he goes, it's the pure, true beauty of like the slot that's on the video right now. He goes, <laughs> that's what you start to appreciate. 
But he goes, you're just opening your eyes. He goes, before that, he goes, did you believe what, you know, your doctors are telling you? I'm like, 100%. He goes, did you believe, you know, when the government said this or the government said that, they put in new laws? I go, somewhat. He goes, well, a lot of people do believe in it. You know, so if a doctor says one thing, not knowing that a, a doctor is controlled by the big pharma, so they're going to work in favor of the big pharma. He goes, it's all a business. He goes, you're waking up, you're seeing it now. See, when you go to the doctors here in Costa Rica, they don't push anything on you. They actually tell you how to take alternative medicine. And I actually have an example. I actually have a package. I'm going to show you something, okay? Give me two seconds. I want you to see this. Okay, no problem. Uh, just put on here, I was going to ask him uh, about, uh, I have a share there, JT, I think, uh, that you might be seeing. He'll be back in a second. But some of the places that Mark, <clears throat> Mark is a real realtor, and so he's always putting up fascinating things on his Instagram and also fascinating things on his Facebook um, for you to follow him. Okay, go ahead, Mark. So there's a product here, okay? And what this product does, you see it, what it does, they don't offer this in Canada. This is Chinese medicine from 2,000 years ago. Oh. And it's a, a liquid form of a synthetic amino acid that we get from meat. But the difference between this, Argentina, 5 grams, 10 mils, is it actually unclogs your arteries, cleanses your liver, cleans your kidneys, restores your gut, lowers your blood pressure, and amortizes sugar in your bloodstream. And it costs about $40 a month. You take one package every morning. So when I said to the doctor, I'm like, you know, I'm feeling a little lethargic because before I had to have my surgery on my sinuses, I had to take some antibiotics to clear up an infection. I'm like, so he's like, okay. I'm like, what can I take to counteract the antibiotics? He's like, well, first of all, he goes, you have to take probiotics. He goes, taking it from sauerkraut, uh, fermented vegetables is the best way, fruits. But he goes, take this medication that you see right here. <clears throat> I go, okay. And I go, what's this going to do? He goes, it's a natural way to restore your gut, restore your body. So when I came off the antibiotics, I'm like, said to him, I go, can I take this for as long as I want? He goes, Mark, this is the purest form of natural medicine, 2,000 years. So when you research it, a lot of Chinese people, the older ones will take this because he goes, this is what actually restores and helps them out. So now Amazing. I take it every single day, like religion. Yeah. Like it's fantastic. So, so the doctor's so here. Right. You're saying you're able to get these unusual healthy uh, remedies for your body there. Yep. Yep. And there's no questions asked. Just walk into the pharmacy and you can get what you want. I see that you, you're looking on my Instagram or Facebook. Yes, I am. And yeah. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell me about yeah. this that you have up. I, I love going into your Facebook and seeing what you're yeah. promoting next because you are always got a home or you know, a beautiful little cottage or a scenic uh, home or, or property that you are letting people know is available. I have a lot on my Instagram. Most of my Instagram that I share it to Facebook. This right here is an eco lodge that's 30 minutes outside of San Jose. It's uh, 17 rooms and I believe it's 13 bathrooms or 16 bathrooms. Nice. Uh, they're selling the whole resort because the gentleman who built it, uh, an American, decided that he wanted to come to the South Park and start a new adventure in the South Park because the South Park Uvita is becoming very popular. It's becoming very well known. Um, I have that. Um, 
I do have houses on there that are like 349, 350, but I do have houses, one that I did go on face on Instagram. There's that one there. There's one on Instagram that I just did for a client. It's worth $7 million. Wow. It is 16,000 square feet, but it generates 50 to 60,000 US per week in revenue at a 95% occupancy rate. Oh my word. So it, it is insane, Laura. It is nuts. Like, right. It is nuts. But... So, so people are uh, doing Airbnb. Like this is a viable business where you get yeah. a nice place and then you're able yeah. to Airbnb it when you're not there. So of course you live in Canada for, you know, most of the time you go for a vacation there once in a while. But when you're not there, your property is able to make a substantial income. A massive amount of income, and, and that's the thing people are starting to realize. You know, Airbnb in Canada, the U.S., they've given so many restrictions on what you can do, where you can rent, how many people, certain times. In Costa Rica, it's open. You rent it how you want. Now, you as a landlord have more rights than the renters who come into your place. You can set whatever rules you want, and they have to oblige by them. If they don't oblige by them, you can kick them right out. So it's great in that aspect. A lot of people are doing it now. The important thing, when people don't have the funds to purchase something, and I can't stress this enough, I do have private financing in Costa Rica. It could be anywhere from 50,000 up to a few million dollars. Not a problem. So somebody says, I wanna take the plunge and get like that last resort that you showed, that property there, it generates over $350,000 a year profit. Right. Wow. So, you know, something that they can get can generate them a substantial amount of money. Right. So there are quite a few properties available. And what people don't understand, like this one here that you have there, it's listed at 440,000. I do know the, the builder personally. I know he will mm -hmm. let it go for like 425. It comes fully furnished. Everything from pots and pans to dishes. It's a three bedroom, two bathroom, but it also has room to add an additional two bedrooms and two bathrooms. So you can just bring that level of rent to the next level because now your house can accommodate more people, hmm. right? And 365 days a year, we live outside. Right, so is, in, this, in this day and age uh, where, you know, we're living in Canada, our housing uh, is going down and we're paying high taxes, we're paying high property taxes. Um, the, the property taxes in Costa Rica are phenomenal, right? Oh yeah, like on a house like that, you're gonna be about $900 a year for property taxes. Oh my goodness, um, are y'all hearing this? Like 900 bucks for property $900. tax per year. <laughs> US, but nonetheless, yeah. that's really cheap compared to here. Yes. Now, if you buy a high-end luxury home, if you buy something that's a million dollars, you'll pay about between $1,500 and $2,500 a year, which is still a lot lower because I know houses in Brampton are going for like six, $7,000 a year for a regular subdivision home for property taxes, right? Toronto, they're fifteen dollars to $25,000 a year for property taxes. So when I hear people here and they're like, holy smokes, I'm like, what is it? They're like, my property taxes are $2,500. And I'm like, you're, you're in a $2 million house. They're like, yeah, but why is it so high? I'm like, resort and think back to when you were in Canada or the US, 
how much did you pay in property taxes? And they're like, oh, I forgot. You're right. <laughs> so it is yeah. a lot lower. Now you got to think where you guys are and all that, winter time's coming. You got the carbon tax and all that. And I don't know what propane or gas prices are going to be when it comes time to heat the house for the winter. So to give you an example, in a house like this, if you're renting it out and, every, and the people were coming in and blasting all the AC units, because there's four air conditioning units in that house, right? Because every room has its own AC. Your electrical bill is going to be about $350, $400 a month. So what you would pretty much get for one night worth of rent will cover your electrical bill for the whole month. So that's wiped out. Water is going to cost you about $15, $20 a month. Your internet's going to cost you about $75 a month. And then if you take your property taxes of, let's, let's just say a thousand, let's just call it a thousand dollars. And you divide that over 365 days a year to, so you're like $2 and 50 cents a day for property tax. So one and a half days of rental covers everything for the month and the property taxes for the month and you're taken care of. And then the rest of the month is pure profit. Right. I always like to break things down to a daily rate or a monthly rate and show people so you can make a substantial amount of money here. And the nice thing about it, too, is because Canada and Costa Rica has no treaty, a lot of people open their accounts in Costa Rica. You do not have to declare, declare to the Canadian government whatever money you make in Costa Rica, you can keep in Costa Rica. Taxes you pay in Costa Rica can be anywhere from eight. And if you reach the tax bracket of over $250,000, you're supposed to pay between 25 and 35% taxes on whatever you make. So a lot of people will keep their money in Costa Rica and reinvest it. When they're coming down with their friends or family, they'll take back the allowed amount to get back into Canada without having to disclose the money that they're bringing back into Canada. This one here is sitting in Platanil. It's at a thousand foot elevation. You literally feel like you're not even in the jungle, you feel like you're back in Alberta, you're back in Canada, you have the pine trees, the trees all above. You see more of like toucans, uh, falcons, eagles, bald eagles that fly around here. You don't see too much of the parrots. But during the day, we're at about a 10%, uh, 10 degrees cooler. So if, if you eat this 30, this will hover around 23, 24, and it gets down to about 16 degrees at nighttime. Wow, this is beautiful. So this is 448,000 US, uh, so people would yep. need to factor that in, but also uh, US owners willing to finance. So yep. if you got a place like this, Mark, and you wanted yep. to um, Airbnb it, would you be able to do that? 100% easy, and I can assist yep. with that too. Um, so normally what I do is that property there has room to put another three little villas, so another three separate units like that. Wow. Right, so you can maximize it. Now that area there, right there, is very profound for people that do um, retreats, uh, energy healing, ayahuasca ceremonies, they all come up to that area. So you get big groups that will rent these Well, probably locations. my group's gonna have a, have a little church service, probably, Mark. <laughs> okay, just <laughs> to yeah, put it in perspective. Yeah. But I know yeah, sometimes they, people they are doing these energy retreats, right? So this is 3.5 acres. Like that's a lot of property. Yes, it is. So there's a lot of room to build on it. There's a lot of room. And, and a little nice bit about, of reprieve from the heat, you were saying, right? 
Well, what's nice about that, where you're looking right there at nighttime, you can actually do a bonfire, sit outside and roast marshmallows. Wow. Or you can actually have a hot tub and you can actually sit in an, an actual hot tub and relax and enjoy it and just have the crisp, cool air while you're looking at the stars and have that heat just hitting your body. So it's a nice change. And that's about from Dominical, it's about 25 minutes up the mountain. Off okay. The, one of the main roads. Okay. It's really, really okay. close. Okay. Well, um, so so this is all really fascinating, and you've got things for every budget. Uh, I people, I, I did see, like, some little tiny shacks that are available, like little tiny homes that are not much to speak of, but certainly could be remodeled. You could do something like that. And it's kind of a lifestyle shift. Uh, you know, when people go to Costa Rica, I think that they're, you know, they're embracing a whole new life. And would they be able to find friends and other loved ones uh, down there? You oh, know, my goodness. From home. Now, what I do, 100%, what I do is I do have a lot of big expats groups. And Toby's part of all of them. Like, yeah, Laura, Toby. she's a, a firecracker, man. Like, she has parties <laughs> at her house. She has gathering for the girls, for the communities. Uh, we always go to, like, uh, 90s little or 80s band, cover bands, and we listen to that. So there's so many different groups that I do have right now. And a lot of the times people, if they want to embrace it and they want to take in a new life, there's people that are here from back at home that are going through the same experience, that want to connect, they want to have fun, and they just want to embrace and enjoy it. So I always tell people, the first three months of moving here is the hardest because we're so used to, like when winter comes, we, we, everybody like snuggles up on a couch, watches TV, they spend their whole night inside. When it's here, it's like, okay, where are we gonna go eat? What are we gonna go do? Are we gonna go listen to a band play music? Are we gonna sit back and have a coffee at one of our favorite places? Or do we go home and just sit outside and decide at you know, 11 o'clock at night, go take a jump in the pool and relax, right? So you really embrace being outdoors. And right now, there's a lot of cyclists that are out in the road. It's a very active physical place, Costa Rica in general. There's guys that will cycle from Uvita, three and a half hour car ride, and they cycle all the way to San Jose on their bikes on the main highways. Wow. It is impressive. Yeah, I can't do it. I, there's no way I would be able to do it, but they're constantly, they're 24 seven. They're cyclists all the time running around everywhere. Wow. But the houses are just inviting, they're beautiful. They really are. And this one, this one's close to US a million dollars. Um, and yeah. I love the, I love all the windows. I love the open concept. Um, people are loving to have a pool at all times. Like, you know, if I were on Airbnb and I saw this place, I'd go, yeah, like this kind of has all the modern conveniences and it's, uh, it's on 2.7 or 6.7 acres. My goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't get a nice house in Abbotsford for a million. I can't get a nice house anywhere for a million bucks, pretty much in Canada. But in Costa Rica, now, yes, it is U.S., so you got to factor on a little bit more. But if you want to put it up to 1.25 or 1.3 million, think of what you get in Canada for this. Well, in, in Costa Rica, you get uh, three bedrooms, 3.5 bathrooms. Um, it was built in just 2016. It's 5,500 square feet. Plus you have 6.7 acres. Do you think that you'd be able to like grow food and have, uh, fruit trees and that kind of thing? 
a lot of these houses, that, that exact one that you're looking at right there has probably about 300 different types of fruit trees on the property already. Wow. So a lot of people like our house, I just planted a lemon tree. We got papaya. Uh, we have lemons. Our le lemon, our lime tree at the bottom of our other property, <laughs> everybody goes there every day and they pick like 100, 200 limes. And I'm the one that goes to the grocery store with my wife. And we go buy the limes. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I buying limes when I have a lime tree that has a, like hundreds of limes on it? <laughs> so, but yeah, a lot of places, a lot of people do plant the trees before rainy season. And they just plant them on the property. Mostly they plant them on the property so that um, it attracts the wildlife. Because they want to see the monkeys. They want to see the parrots. They want to see the uh, toucans. They want to see the sloths, right? They want to see all the different animals coming to their property so they can sit back and enjoy and relax and, and just enjoy nature. That is one of the beauties of Costa Rica is uh, you get to um, just be up close to those amazing parrots, like with all the different colors. Uh, is that the toucans, I think? Yeah. And then monkeys. People have these monkeys uh, that are just right in the trees above where they live. It's it's a phenomenal different lifestyle and I like having you on Mark so that we can kind of show people that there's a big world out there and as things stress us out here in our parts of the world, there's a lot of people and I do mean a lot of people making decisions to take off and, uh, you know, go to a more peaceful place, a, a place that God made that, that he Certainly, he certainly smiled when he made Costa Rica. It's absolutely beautiful. And I love that there's a large Christian and, and a, a believer's aspect to it. Um, and just beautiful people. I loved getting together at the restaurant with you and your wife and gathering with other folks and just being together, you know, and also your, your really super cool uh, vehicle that you drive around. What is that again? <laughs> Uh, Polaris uh, XP 1000 turbo side-by-side, four-seater. <laughs> right. It's, it's in right now, getting some service work done to it. But you know what, Laura? When we sit down and have dinner at home, everything is so, such a rush when you go to restaurants. We're here, dinner takes like three, four hours, right? Because you just, you just enjoy your company, right? And we had a blast with you guys. But like with all the people reaching out now and the people coming down, you know, I have people reaching out to me. They're like, Mark. One lady just reached out to me yesterday. She's like, can you plan our trip? I'm like, sure. What do you mean? Well, can you book our hotels, book our car, book our excursions? I'm like, okay, what are you asking from me? She's like, are you a tour operator? I'm, like, I'm not a tour operator, but I'll be glad to assist you and give you all the contacts that you need. If that's what you want. She's like, yeah, you just want to get away. And she's coming down to Costa Rica because she's actually doing her uh, – She's putting four crowns on. She's capping her front teeth. Oh, let's mention that. Like if you want your yeah. teeth done, oh my word, it's really inexpensive to get that kind of work done. $300 per crown because she's going to end up doing like wow. 10 of them. Mm -hmm. She's capping 10 teeth, so 300 bucks a piece. We're in Canada. They were charging her $1,200 per yep. Uh, tooth. Yeah. Right? And it's We're so getting totally ripped so off of, in the dentist department in Canada. Totally 100%. ripped off. Not just that. It's the oh. dentists. It's the doctors. You know, my wife went the other day to get a, she had her ultrasound. Uh, I think it's called a memogram. And she did all her testing. 
And in Canada, you do the test and you wait, uh, you know, two weeks, three weeks to get the doctor to tell you and you stress and you worry. So another right. thing that stresses you up is you're thinking, oh, my goodness, am I dying? Is something wrong? What did they right. see on the screen when they, they circle all the spots here while they're doing it? They actually explain everything to you. They tell you this looks good. That looks good. This is a little abnormal. That's fine. Mm -hmm. They tell you the results as they're doing it. And they tell you, don't worry, you're hundred percent fine. So they tell you on the spot, they don't want you leaving and coming back. They tell you on the spot, they give you your records and you can take them with you. But there's yeah. the specialists and the doctors actually doing your tests for you. And they tell you mm -hmm. everything right there. So you don't have to go back to the doctor and stress out for weeks on end. Am I okay? Am I sick? What's going on? And the doctors in Canada just want you to go back so they can swipe your OHIP card to charge you more money. Yeah. Right. And here it's no totally different isn't it totally different and just so wonderful in that way and the final thing i wanted to mention to people is we're all kind of sick we're worried about being tracked and traced you know they all know where you are and all that kind of stuff and the thing about Costa Rica is you don't even have proper addresses, you know, like everyone's like, okay, you go down to the, the red truck is on the side of the road and then you turn left. And then when you see a big tree that has like, you know, something on it, you know, a purple stand, then, okay, take a left there. You know, like that's how I was ending up finding exactly. like a, there's a big rock, <laughs> you know, and you turn exactly. left there. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, like, like a lot more secure. It's private. Yeah. Yeah. It's private. It's a, you know? it's a lot of private. And what people ask me all the time is like, Mark, what do you do when it comes to getting mail? I'm like, we don't get mail in Costa Rica. If it's not an email, <laughs> don't send me a postcard, nothing. I will not even get it. Right. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. What about great. bills? Like, like what about bills? You got to pay for stuff. Like, like, is it, it's okay, all so email? Water, no, no. So water is always from the first of the month to the ninth of the month. We go pay our water when we're doing grocery shopping at the yeah. cashier. The 13th to the 19th of the month is your electrical bill. Um, the fiber internet, the fiber, uh, yeah, the fiber optic internet is between the 15th and the 20, the 26th of each month. When you pay your property taxes, you can either have your accountant do it or you can drive to the little municipality and you pay your property taxes for the year. And besides that, there's no other bills. That's wow. it. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. So you kind of get used to it. It's just, yeah. um, you realize how much garbage we used to collect back at home when you get mm. all these penny saver flyers and all this stuff in your mailbox and this and yeah. that. And you, and you, you, you run to the mailbox to see what do I have today? Here it's mm -hmm. like, tranquilo, okay, I'm going to pay this. I'll, I'll pay it when it comes time to pay it. And, and you just know your program. Right. This is when I pay this. This is when I pay that. Now, if you don't pay your electrical bill or your water, two days after your, your water bill is due and it's late, you'll know because you won't have any water in the house. It's cut off. Right. If you're late on your electrical bill, you'll know <laughs> because you have no power in the house. They move quick. <laughs> so it's good because... <laughs> Yeah, so it's not like, uh, and then once oh, you pay yeah. it, it takes about, it could be 10 minutes to restore it. It could be an hour to restore it, right? Because it's mm. on their time. But it kind of reminds you that, you know, at home, you can run six months and not pay a bill. And I feel bad for landlords because when the tenants don't pay the bills, the landlord after mm. gets stuck with a $15,000 bill, $20,000 mm -hmm. bill. Mm -hmm. And the electrical company says, well, we don't care. You know, we have to do it here. You're two days late. Okay. I'm like, but you turn up my water. 
yeah, we'll turn it back on if you pay the bill. I'm like, here's your twenty dollars. <laughs> like, click your water's back on. I'm I like, love fantastic. it. So it, it's yeah, I absolutely love it. But I know you do, you Mark. I know. Now, I I don't know. I don't know. But I I keep my eyes on <laughs> cheap flights. You know, I got to get a cheap flight to exactly. get down there, and and uh, you know, and we're working real but hard because the world's going crazy. So yeah. A Tuesday or a Thursday. If yeah. You're for your best flights, Tuesdays and yeah, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. If you're looking for your best flights. Okay. Very good advice. Thank you. Have Thank to you. Come back down, and yeah. you have to re-energize. Yes, that's how right. I feel. I do feel. Fun. So rested uh, when I'm there because we're dealing with a lot. And so sometimes I just, you know, I, I do know that there's, there's options for people. And I, I love that we can talk about that. So, Mark, thank you uh, once again for being with us. Uh, we've been putting your number up on the screen. Maybe should we do that one last time, everybody? That phone number right there is how you get Mark. It's, uh, it's his phone. And so you, WhatsApp is the best, right? Um, yeah. Yes, but that's his number. Just send him a text and then start exactly. communicating. If you'd like to know more, Mark is very helpful. You want to make a trip down there? That'd be good. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have. Everybody. Right. And make sure that you have uh, ways downloaded to your phone so you can exactly. navigate all around the area. That's the best one. Instead of Google Maps, use Waze. Okay. Yeah, all right. Exactly. Yeah. Laura, thank you. Mark, we appreciate you so much. Please say hello to your beautiful wife, and uh, we'll see you all again. Take care. And tell okay. JT next time he's got to go on the side-by-side. -side. Okay. Thanks, Scaredy cat. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Later, Laura. <laughs> Take care. Oh, it was kind of funny, yeah, because, um, yeah, JT did seem a little. Were you scared? Were you scared to go on the side? No, he's saying no. He's, he's not scared, Mark. That's yeah, not yeah. it. He had a, oh, he's had a tarantula on his face for this media thing he had to do years ago. He says, I'm not scared. I can do it. But anyways, well, he wouldn't get in the side by side. So I'll just leave it with you all to decide what's happening. Okay. My website is laurelin.tv. Thank you very much. If you all appreciate what we do, if you can lend a hand, that would be awesome. If you want to become a $20 a month partner or a $100 a month partner, or just send a one-time donation, it means a lot to us. Uh, we're talking about the uh, some of the most difficult topics that are on the planet. Today was interesting. Today was kind of a breather. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I'm probably not going to be getting hate mail today, uh, but um, I I do know that the world's a very serious place, and I just tell you the truth. When I'm here, I tell you the truth. JT and I were very honest with you about what we did, about getting our money out of Canada uh, at a time this was in 2021, and we told you. We told you what we were doing, and we did it. We're very happy we did it because we avoided the down spiral, uh, spiraling down of our house price, which would have happened, and we would have lost a lot. And I haven't been one to have a lot in life, but what we gained through um, purchasing of real estate, you know, that little bit that we had, we wanted to make sure that we kept it. And so we did. We were able to avoid losing a lot on our property. We purchased some land in Costa Rica. Uh, we purchased another uh, property in, um, in uh, the United States of America. And we, we just, we decided that as US citizens and as Canadian citizens, we had the right in life in a democratic society to do whatever we want. So lots of Canadians moving to Costa Rica. You don't have to be a US citizen. You can just say, I want something new and I'm ready. And if you want to take a trip down there, that would be step number one. I'm not 
encouraging you to just go online with Mark and buy something crazy you haven't seen or experienced the land and what it's like. But I do know um, if you embed yourself down there, uh, you might find that you really love it. So thank you for your support. Thank you for uh, reaching out to us. You can send e-transfers to Laurelin Live at protonmail.com. And we want to leave you with a scripture today. Um, Psalms 24, absolutely wonderful verse. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. It's all God's. Doesn't belong to a people group. It is God's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol, or swear by a false God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty the Lord mighty in battle. I wonder if you feel like you've got a battle going on right now. You're a little bit worried about some things. You've got some family troubles or some financial troubles. You're in a battle. You're worried about where Canada's going. You're worried about the next election. You're worried about what we see happening in the streets of our fair country. You're worried about the leadership. There's a battle for the souls of of our nation, for the souls of the world, really. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your grandkids and the way that it looks. Well, guess what? Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Do you think that he is not strong enough to deal with any problem that you're facing? Do you think that God cannot help you to overcome, to see victory? in the, the trial that you're going through right now, with one flick of God's baby finger, he can undo it, he can shape it up, ship it out, he can have it all in complete, complete cohesion and where everything will make sense and where everything will be a-okay. God can fix the deepest and most difficult problems on this planet whenever he wants to. We can trust him. What we have to understand is that maybe God's not fixing things on our time frame. And that is surely very rough. <laughs> I'm not always happy when he's taking an awful long time to fix what I think should be fixed right away. God's like that because he has the full picture. Because from the bird's eye view of being God, he's able to see that he needs to allow the full amount of time to reap the full amount of benefit, to give the full amount of opportunity for all to be saved.
for everyone to find a way to Him. So God takes His time. And in your personal situation, maybe He's taking a bit of time and you're not quite sure you like that very much. I encourage you, in the, in the time that you're taking to have to wait for Him to fix everything, remember this, He is strong and He is mighty and He will surely do it when He says it's time to do it. Trust Him. See you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me today.